I loved that. That was uh, that was absolutely scintillating. Happy Monday, everybody! We're recording another episode of Modern Guilt, episode eight. Uh, coming off the back of our last episode, we tried out having a featured guest on for the first time, and we had a lot of fun. So thanks again to Michael Hudson for coming on and um, dropping some knowledge on some film and uh, everything else fun in the world. Isolation. I enjoyed that topic. Did you, Damon? Yeah, that was really good. Um, mm. I had a really good time. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Paul. yeah. Hope you're doing all right out there. <laughs> yeah, true. I <laughs> forgot that he's um, still wherever he is. Listening back to that episode, I actually really enjoyed that discussion about rural societies and like the kind of comparisons between New Zealand and Australia and stuff. Same. Um, that felt like a really healthy form of, I don't know, masturbation. <laughs> like listening back to yourself and enjoying the conversation. It was really yeah. good. It is. Yeah. It's weirdly life-affirming. Yeah. Hearing yourself have a good conversation in retrospect is like something that makes me feel like oddly happy. And I don't think it is a, a masturbatory thing, although maybe it is, and I'm just too self-centered to even realize. But um, <laughs> how do I put it? I guess it's just like a reminder that you're actually like, you do some nice shit sometimes. Yeah. That's really hard to think about in first person often, I think. Well, that's why people like to take photographs and shit, I guess. You know, I don't really keep a public account of what I do, but mm. I, I imagine that's like part of the fun is like <laughs> looking back on it and it sounds so autistic trying to describe this. <laughs> no, no, I totally understand <laughs> what you mean. I've often had the same yeah. thought actually, like, I look at people's Instagram profiles where they have like a thousand photos and I kind of think like, man, this is really intense. They have so many photos and like, how do they do this? Why do they do this? And deep down I know, but I'm just asking the question to like justify the fact that I'm too yeah. retarded to actually do it. Um, question for you. Yeah. Do you think you're going to write a memoir? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one day. Um, I don't know if... Um, It'll be, I mean, I guess it depends on what I end up doing, right? But regardless, I'll probably write one, if, even if it's just for myself and, like, my great-grandchild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how else are you going to pass on all, like, your wisdom? But do you think you're going to, is it going to be, like, an exclusive tell-all tale? Or, because I've thought about this a lot, whether I'll have, like, mm. two memoirs, like, one that's just going to be, like... <laughs> like <laughs> a deep web web uh, memoir, and then... yeah. It's up to like like ten years old, and then I just skipped to like I was thirty five, and you know achieving things. Yeah, just everything from there on out, and then another yeah, one. Right. It's just like that block of time. Mm. Memoirs after dark. Depends on your target. <laughs> memoirs after dark. That's the name for your memoir, dude. Oh fuck yeah, that's actually a really good name. You just did it, fucking sick. Yeah, write that shit down, bro. Never forget that. Memoirs After Dark. is That's like sexy sounding, man. That's fucking good. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm totally like, going to run with that. Definitely like tales of uh, post nightclub orgies and yeah. all sorts of horrible drug deals. <laughs> a lot of other nasty shit that went down. Yeah. But yeah, I guess like relating to the content of um, a perspective memoir, perspective memoir rather. 
is yeah. the wrong per-iv word. Yeah, like it totally depends on your target audience, right? Or like what your yeah. publisher wants. If you're going to self-publish it, then why not go all out with it? Yeah. But if I it mean, was some like some highbrow fucking London publisher or some shit, they'd probably just want like your real like clean um, for like refined gentlemen of 35 and over version. Is there even a market for that nowadays though? Like I don't think anyone really, like maybe back in the day people wanted to read like Bill Clinton's thousand pages of, you know, him being a good person and not <laughs> sticking cigars in Lewinsky's vagina. But I'm pretty sure... Did he actually sure... do that? Yeah, f- yeah, man. It's That's in, like... so hilarious. <laughs> it's in the presidential, like, inquiry about it that they oh, have, like... Wow. I'm pretty sure they have a transcript as well. Or if it's not a transcript, it's pretty close to a transcript. And you can read basically how the whole thing went down. But he, yeah, totally stuck a cigar in there. And I think he got a rim job, so... Hmm. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so fascinating that they have like an itemized agenda of how he was banging her. Yeah. Well, you'd imagine they'd have to like seriously look into it. Yeah, um, I guess. Although, so. why? That's such like a it's such an annoying '90s thing that happened. Like JFK was banging everybody, and there's no like account over that. You know. Yeah. I I. I agree that it's kind of annoying, but like considering the fact that simultaneously Bill Clinton was also just on Epstein's jet every weekend. Yeah. I think he got like punished for some, for like the equivalent act. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's totally a market for that, man. You just have to go to like any white suburban cafe in Brisbane in like a middle to upper middle class suburb and just see like all of the fathers who are like just about to drop their kids off at sport who are like ignoring their wives and are just wearing like loafers like cargo yeah. shorts and they're like Reading polos cl- clean memoirs about yeah people they love it nothing man. other than well oh yeah that's cool the more i think about it the more i'm like i would never want to put out something like that though straight up like what fuck that man i don't want to appeal to that demographic yeah, people just do it for the money though, right? Yeah, true. Like yeah. if you actually had a career worth like telling about one day, which you probably will, and someone was like, here you go, here's a million dollars, write a book. Yeah. You'd probably be like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I guess. Like joke's on you. <laughs> 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 like here's the most boring shit that I could possibly write <laughs> and you're paying me a million dollars. And I'm just yeah. like duping all these idiots into sitting down in some suburban cafe while their kid's playing soccer and reading it. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever read, like, a clean memoir? Like, because I've read Slash's one, and that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> How is that a clean memoir? Oh, well, sorry. Like, I'm just trying to think of the memoirs that I've read, and I've <laughs> oh, read Slash's right. memoir. I'm not, like, a big memoir guy, because I don't really normally care, but, uh, you know. <laughs> no, I have read a couple, but now I'm, like, struggling to recall what they even were. I read, I read... Malcolm X's. That was Oh, good. that would be sick. Yeah, um... but he, he was a degenerate, man. Like, he, he was a pimp. And he used to fucking do a lot of drugs, you know. He has this whole passage about how he just would sleep like two hours a night and take huge amounts of opium and cocaine and, you know, hashish and all sorts of other stuff and ascend to like Mm. a timeless state. Yeah, it's how he got woke, man. Boost around the ghetto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 hard. Yeah, no, he was getting divine intervention, you know. Mm. But um, I read Obama's. Uh, oh, yeah. dream, dreams from my father that was i recall that being pretty interesting yeah that was that wasn't like that was a bit of a tell-all tale as well though right oh uh, yeah but there's not a lot to tell 
Like yeah. he was open, but it's not like he had some sort of like intense, arduous life. Yeah. Like he's an interesting guy and he's had an interesting life, but he wasn't like sitting up at 3 a.m. like rocking, coming down from crack, you know. <laughs> not doing a Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hitting the joint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit of a player, I think, from what I remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how could he not be, though? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I see him as not being the sort of guy to, like, sleep around brutally, but to have a string of, like, you know, relationships one after another. Yeah, and one of those dudes that just knows himself, man. You know, like, he's not trying to trying to be a player, but he's not going to fucking kid himself into settling early either. Yeah, hard, yeah. So you'd recommend copying it? Copying oh. the Obama memoir? Nah, probably not. <laughs> like, there are... You know, probably thousands of other better books. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to read a memoir, then sure, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> don't, don't say the suggestion came from me because I honestly have no, th- no, like, no meaningful thoughts about it. Yeah. I, I just had read it and that's all there is to it. <laughs> um, oh, man. I read, like, some rugby memoirs <laughs> Did when I was a teenager. <laughs> Shit, I don't think you were yeah. tight. Yeah, I used to be super into rugby, bro. Real? Yeah, Fire I used up. to play until I was like, I don't know, 15 or some shit. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, Todd Blackadder, the uh, oh, yeah. captain of the Crusaders. Was he the All Blacks captain as well? I can't remember. Yeah, he was a real yeah. straight-laced dude, though. Eh? Like, I oh, remember yeah. meeting him at primary school, and he was just like a someone's dad sort of figure. Oh, yeah, fully. Just a New Zealand farmer, man. Yeah. Um, Matthew Ridge? Or the who's the other guy? The the guy that the real clean Richie McCall. Would you rather read Matthew Ridge's book or is, Richie? Is McCaw? Matthew Ridge the former NRL player who was like yeah. a boxer as well? So I only know him because I met him in a bar one night, and I don't. So to everyone uh, listening, I don't know anything about rugby, and um, I was in a bar, and there was this very jacked dude who was screaming in the face of a friend of mine about the Armenian genocide. Like, very aggressive and, like, (laughs) you know, I'm pretty sure he was on some shit. There was fucking veins in his forehead, like, popping out, you know. He was just so fucking intense. And my buddy was looking kind of scared, and he was just going on and on about the atrocities in the Armenian genocide. And my other buddy (laughs) was like, oh, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, like, you know, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, oh, it's Matthew Ridge. And I was like, I still don't know who that is. And then he started going on. He, like, took us to a strip club and was just, like, throwing money around. So he, like, and, gave your friend, like, a telling off about the Armenian genocide and then is like, you guys want to go to a strip club? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly Good, good night. Happened. Yeah. And then, you know, he had some crazy stories about being a massive fucking degenerate. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I, I had heard yeah. uh, <laughs> stuff like that about him now, now that you mention it. Wendell Saylor. Would be a good memoir. Who's Wendell Saylor? Former Australian representative in rugby league and union. Oh, yeah. Um, absolute lethal weapon. He had like a 20-year-long professional career. Uh, I think he's one of the few players to win the Rugby World Cup in both codes. Yeah. And I have a Wendell Saylor story, actually. I was working oh, yeah. as like a concierge at this five-star hotel, and it was an awful period of my life, but it is what it is. Yeah. And um, whenever there was a cricket test on in Brisbane, 
the I can't remember if it was Channel Nine or Channel Seven, but like the media crew would stay at this hotel I was working at, and because Wendell Saylor went on to have a media career after he was in sports. He like knew all these media dudes or whatever. And he knew that whenever there was a test match on, there would be a bar tab at the bar at my hotel. So like he doesn't have anything to do with cricket, but would just like rock up at the bar and just like happen to bump into one of these dudes. He'd just time it so that he could just go there and get pissed for free. <laughs> despite the fact that he was like, you know, yeah. stinking rich anyway. It's probably just lonely. Do you think he was lonely? Oh, nah, man. Wendell nah. Saylor is like Australian god. Oh yeah. I can't imagine him being lonely. Or maybe yeah. that's maybe he is. Maybe I'll I'll Google it right now. Wendell Saylor lonely. <laughs> I'm hanging on the edge of my seat right now to figure this one out. Hmm. Okay. Well, if you search Wendell Saylor lonely, the first search result is a Sydney Morning Herald article. The first sentence says, Wendell Saylor was in a dark, lonely place in his life when he got the telephone call that inspired his fight back. This was published in 2010, and because we live in a world of short snippets and uh, rapid-fire news cycles, we'll just run with this as a story, that Wendell Saylor is lonely. (laughs) (laughs) People love those sort of stories, though, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does that timing match up? (laughs) <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. yeah. He probably was lonely, <laughs> this, man. Yeah, this article was like a year before I was working there, which is super yeah. weird. Wow, my dog just is ha- my dog is having a dream right now, and he just barked in his sleep. Oh, that's cute. I love it when that happens. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what have you got for uh, show and tell today, man? Yeah, sick. So I was <laughs> moving from that nice conversation. I was going to jump straight into insuldom and have-nots because I, I ended up down this weird little rabbit hole where I came across an article on lost media and there was something about like the Christine Chubbuck suicide tape and I was like oh I don't know what that is so I figured I'd look it up yeah okay and I discovered this like weird little uh group of people talking about like original incels and the history of inseldom oh, and everything man. I'm so excited like, for this yeah I was like oh that's interesting and man it is I, this shit is so depressing. Like, I really got to start, like, easing back on it. But, um, anyway. So there's, with, there's an insildom pride flag. Is it? Yeah. What, what does it look like? It's shades of grey. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what I would expect. But I guess that would suit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, continue. So, Christine Chubbuck was, like, a 17, no, she wasn't a 17-year-old. She was, like, a 29-year-old incel. Um, she was actually like quite good looking as well, but she was very much, you know, of the mindset that she was never going to get laid. She was never going to have a husband. Her ovaries were like, you know, not usable because of an operation she'd had and it had like dwelled on her a lot. So she was giving a little more context. She was a reporter, uh, for this newspaper and I think she presented the news or she was like a journalist in some capacity anyway. So this is, it's, it's just, I don't know, man, like these stories all seem to have this similar mindset of social reclusion and people that are way too in their own heads and don't seem to get out enough. And they're just, they're fucking depressing because I feel like I know a lot of people who go down these paths into like sort of slowly uh, becoming more and more reclusive from the world and getting into these elaborate fantasies in their heads, which ultimately, you know, 
where the, these two cases that I'm about to talk about, like, are about. And it's interesting to note because I was reading uh, Notes from the Underground a while ago, which is like a, you know, Russian novel from the 1800s at some point in time that talk about the same thing, about this guy that, like, traps himself in a house and starts fantasizing about these really, like, bizarre interactions. Like, some guy accidentally bumps him on the street and he starts obsessing over how he's going to get him back and bump him and how good it's going to feel when he bumps oh. his shoulder and, you know, how wrong the world is to have enacted this injustice upon him. And he does. He, like, bumps the... He finds the guy and, like, bumps him on the shoulder and, like, nothing happens. And it's, like, it's just so fucking mental. But <laughs> I love that shit, man. Yeah, like, man. Yeah, it is fucking mental, but what you're describing sounds like such a good read. Yeah, oh, it's fascinating. They actually made a movie about Christine. I didn't watch it because I just didn't want to uh, yeah. after reading about, enough about her. I've been having, um, a, having a quick browse as you've been um, leading into this, and as is my custom... I've uh, been checking out some Google image search results because I li always like to have an image of whoever you're talking about in my head while you're doing it. Yeah. And I have seen a glimpse into where this story is going and it looks fucking intense. This is, yeah, the next one's even gnarlier. So anyway, so Christine effectively was working at this radio station, oh, sorry, uh, TV station and like getting more and more depressed over the fact that she could like never have... Uh, a marriage or something she was infatuated with one of her co-workers who mm. was dating the sports journalist or the entertainment journalist or something like that or, the, or it might have been the hot weather girl i need to check that detail out but i'm pretty sure it's something like that <laughs> which is i don't know it's kind of funny to me that those like relationships exist it just seems so typical of like an like a american film yeah man yeah like the the reporter she lusts after is dating like you know the hot airhead weather girl and she's you know like the intelligent brunette who's infatuated and never getting a look in so she starts going pretty majorly downhill psychologically and then decides that she's going to kill herself on air um, and actually announces these plans to one of the other reporters who doesn't believe her at all. Um, so this is, as far as I'm aware of, this is like one of the most extreme first acts of an incel. Uh, mm. like, like a live record, you know, since then we've had so many live extremist acts of like incel terrorism, which is totally a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as I'm aware, this is like the one that sort of, sort of like, what? you know oh my god um so sure enough she launches a show and says um i'm going to be presenting this and everyone's like oh we didn't realize you were doing it and she's like yep yeah, you know i'm the woman presenter for the day or something and she starts giving the news live and pulls out a gun says to everyone you know li on live tv and now we're going to bring you an attempted suicide pulls out a gun and shoots herself live on tv and kills herself you know so fucking sad, man. Horrible, eh? It's absolutely awful. And, yeah. you know, there there was, like, shock and horror around the nation, and people were, like, calling the um, TV station, being like, was that real? You know, so, like, a lot of people would have seen it. When I read that, I was like, wow, that is fucking nuts. You know, it, it kind of seemed a little strange to me that the first, because obviously we're associating nowadays, like, insultum as fat-bearded white dudes sitting around hating on women. Whereas I didn't realize the first sort of, like, terrorist incel act was... By a woman. Yeah, which yeah, seems yeah. a little bizarre. 
Although I guess the first one with root causes that can be traced, right? I'm, I'm sure there's, there's been a lot of weird shit happened in the past that's kind of just like too, uh, too vague in terms of its origins. Yeah, totally. But maybe just because of like the public nature of this, it was so easy to understand. Yeah, this is probably like the one that was like clearly linked. Um, I think social recluse and extremist acts of social recluses like definitely has a long history. And that's sort of more, I feel like inceldom as we know it is kind of like more of a branch of just social reclusion and mm. its negative effects. Like if you look at, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree, but people like Ted Kwasinski, the Unibomber, uh, who was like holed up in a little house and totally in his own head and wrote his big manifesto and then mailed pipe bombs to people and yeah, killed yeah. them or some other kind of bomb. That's more in the same vein, I feel, or the same sort of theme as a lot of these people talk about is like, they just kind of like radicalize themselves, man. So anyway, so I found that and that spurred me to go on this other binge of looking for like extremist, you know, acts uh, from social occlusion. And I came across like Ricardo Lopez, who's the Bjork stalker. Oh, wow. And this shit was fucking sad, like legitimately just brutal. Cause basically this guy was like a 17 year old, uh, who wanted to go to art school and didn't have the confidence to apply. So just never went and became like a part-time exterminator. And then from 17 onwards, he just became like more and more of a recluse. And the more he got in, into being a recluse, the more he started obsessing over Bjork or Bjork. Bjork, yeah. Bjork, and started like fantasizing about how, you know, just about her in general, but it's strange because it's not like overtly sexual, his fantasies. They're just kind of like lonely, sad fantasies about wishing that he grew up around her and they were friends, which is, oh, oh I know, man, so brutal. That's like spine tingling. Oh, I know. So he wrote like 803 pages about uh, about Bjork and just detailing how he's lonely and he wants someone around to like feel close with. And so this gets a lot more interesting because he actually released a diary. So he's he was writing. He writes this like absurd, massive amount of pages about Bjork while he's living this like reclusive lifestyle in a uh, you know small little apartment on his own. And then releases a video diary um and this is back in like 1996 so this is all pre-youtube shit and the video diary is available to see so you can look it up uh it does contain his suicide at the end so i would not watch that i didn't watch it i'm not gonna watch it i don't want to see people mm. kill themselves it's fucked up but yeah um i went through a run of accidentally watching people kill themselves and or maybe they weren't even killing themselves just like a period in my life where i saw like a lot of videos of people dying and it's fucking horrible man yeah, man. Yeah, it's really not enjoyable. Yeah. At first, I used to find it really interesting. Like, I've never seen someone die before, so, like, let's check it out. There's video of someone dying. Like, how bad can it be? And at first, it wasn't. And then I watched a few and then fucking got to a point in my life where it's like, holy shit, man, I don't want to see anybody die anymore. This shit's fucked up. Yeah, I'm, like, really not into it either. It just bothers me. Like, mm. and I find it unnecessary. I'm not really interested in it. Like, I, I'm aware of it. It's like an organic act that just kind of comes to an end and it's, for, it's way less ceremonious than whatever anyone who hasn't seen it before thinks happens. What do you think is the worst video of someone dying that you've seen? Um, when I was younger, like, uh, one of, 
our buddies showed me one of this guy like jumping off a large platform and his face like smashes into this um like i don't know some some other concrete platform he's trying to jump into water but he just missed it and oh then, fuck yeah man and then like they're showing the video of him they're trying to put his face back together when he's like dying i didn't want to see this shit i just walked into my buddy's room shout out to dylan you've scarred me for life bro mm, fuck. um and like it was horrible man i still remember i can still picture it and it's fucking disgusting and like it was just brutal because he's still alive and you just think like holy shit his jaws disconnected and his face is like totally ripped open and stuff you know um, yeah that sounds fucking yeah bad bro seen some cartel videos as well they're pretty awful only by accident you know like i'll be clicking on something and then suddenly it's like it's like a bait and switch you like click on it and then it's like Whatever you thought you're clicking on, it's like a cartel video instead, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, man." Not that only it. happens where you dwell on the internet, though, man. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the worst one you've seen? Well, I might be overlooking something, but I feel as though the worst one I've seen was a video taken on like a an old crappy flip phone or something by these three serial killers who were active in the Ukraine for a while and like maybe around 2007 2008 that period i think yeah and i can't remember like the names of these guys or any real more details about them but this uh particular video i saw was them in the woods with this victim who they just had on the ground and they were just like bludgeoning with a hammer while they were just like filming and laughing and this guy's just alive and writhing and like groaning and dying while they're just like smashing him in the head with a hammer and like laughing and then they just start stabbing him with a screwdriver and you know just inflict dozens of wounds on this dude and it's yeah it's fucking repulsive i just can't even imagine like the headspace you know like what what makes a monster do that it's so horrible Um, it's a great question isn't it yeah these cases of like people killing themselves on air uh, like the Bishork stalker and Christine Chubbuck is just kind of like, to me, a desperate attempt. Like they were so sad and lonely and wanted control over their lives. Um, that's makes us more of a tragedy than something that I'd be angry about. You know, do you think it's like a, um, sort of an inward act or an outward act in the sense that like they're doing it for themselves, as in, like, I want control, or they're trying to inflict something upon the people watching? I think they're doing it for themselves, man. 100%. Like, yeah, right. know, they're, they're just so... Like, you read you read about the, the things that they were saying leading up to it and how out of control their lives have felt, and knowing kind of, you know, enough about mental health in crisis to understand like the extreme feelings that someone would be feeling in those positions that I can imagine mm. what led them to, you know, ultimately do something like that. It's yeah, just like, it, like a solution to feeling so gated from society that, you know, it's like anything to be included in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. See, I can imagine, I mean, while I agree that you're right, I can imagine it also being like an act of vengeance, you know, like, yeah. I'm going to fucking scar you while you're watching the evening news by blowing my brains out because you're a part of society that's made me feel this way. Yeah, also that. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, totally it, would buy into it that must, as well. It would probably vary, I would imagine. I'd say they're like um, one and the same as well. And that's the the thing with Bjork Stalker I'll get to like um that it's just it seems like to satisfy their own 
lack of acceptance, they act outwards towards other people, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Which in these cases is really sad. In other people's cases, like Elliot Rogers and shit, uh, I think it's, you know, he's just a piece of shit. Can't really have any sympathy for Elliot Rogers. Who was that? Oh, he's the guy, he released this, like, massive manifesto called My Twisted World, which I, fucking parts of it, man, are so ridiculous. I read a little bit of it. I didn't read, like, tons, because I just don't have the patience to read that, but holy fuck so he he like gunned down a lot of people in the states oh i Um, remember this motherfucker i just looked him up yeah 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 uh he was like the son of some famous film producer um but he was also like an incel and he never got laid and he wrote wrote this massive manifesto about how bitter he was that other people were getting laid and he wasn't and this parts of his manifesto where he's like i was shitting outside my sister's room hearing the plunging of her boyfriend's penis inside her Fuck me, man. Yeah, it's just like, he's like, I felt nothing but pure rage. And it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, that is brutal. And there's like another part where he was talking about like how he was enraged at these women. So he chased them with like a squirter full of orange juice. And it's just like, oh, dude, you're so like, I don't know. That's a little bit tough to (laughs) (laughs) All right. To understand. I've, um, I've taken you way off track, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bouncing back, anyway. Uh, okay, so going back to the Bjork stalker. So let's just recap here. So he's, at this point, he's starting his filming of, um, he says, his art, his life, and his plan. He's obsessed with Bjork. He's, like, fantasizing about, and again, it's like, he says very express uh, explicitly, none of his fantasies are sexual. They're all... He just wants to like build a time machine and grow up with her and have someone as a friend that he can be close with. Uh, and so his there's like a condensed version of his 22 hours of footage on YouTube that you can find. May or may not post the link. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a discussion when the recording stops. I, I think we can post the link, but there's just yeah. a disclaimer that we're not telling anyone they should or shouldn't look what click it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. like, mostly not bad. Um, you do get a very, you know, it's a condensed look at how he goes from being kind of like a normal, not normal, but, like, you know, a reclusive dude that you could have helped had you been friends with, and this is why yeah. this is so sad, to being, like, pretty off the fucking wall um, mm. in terms of, like, yeah, he seems a little bit psychotic at the end of it. So, oh, fuck yeah. I know, man. You just think like, oh, man, if you'd known Christine or if you'd known Ricardo, things might have been different, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a, there's elements of humanity in this. Um, so, basically, Ricardo, uh, you know, th- throughout this documentary um, or f- video diary footage, I guess, um, it starts off and you, you see him being like, like, he's... He's pretty fucking racist is one thing that's worth noting, I guess. But it's more, it's it's so interesting, man, because it just seems to me like you're seeing a prototype of an influencer, like a YouTube influencer. Like it's a vlog, you know, you'll be watching it and he's like, yeah, he starts talking about like, oh, I've, uh, you know, I did blah, blah, blah today. And, you know, he'll start talking about his feelings towards black people. And he's from Uruguay. So he, he always, you know, which is... He, he talks about himself being like, you know, as a white man, but it's like, he's not. Uh, not typically white. Not typically white. Yes. Thank you. Is the word. <laughs> but his, 
he, his discussions about black people are all presented in this really interesting meta way, like as, as is everything else. Like he's very aware of how irrational he is, but mm. he says, you know, this is all chemical. I can't do anything about it. I don't know why. Like I hate black people. I, I see them the same way I see cockroaches. And he sees, he says, you know, I see myself as a cockroach as well, but I know this is wrong. And I know I but I just can't control my anger and rage and I'm not sure why it's happening. And it's so, it's just fucking interesting to see someone like that aware of their own shortcomings Yeah, and to talk about them. And like, I don't know, like these, you very much get the idea that he's aware enough that he could be helped, but you know, he's also pretty. Also a part-time exterminator. So what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and the mental health system in America is pretty broken, so yeah. I can't imagine, like, I mean, especially dude, in the 90s. it's broken here and in New Zealand. You know? Yeah, it's broken <laughs> everywhere, it's, like, like, it's fucked. Yeah, it worries me how many people, like, because I know that social reclusion is, like, a pretty big issue nowadays. I think it's getting a lot worse. Dude, yeah, it's, it's massive even among people who you would consider, and for lack of a better term, I'll say normal. Yeah. You know, like, a lot of people... Uh, live most of their life online or on social media. Yeah. It's it's fucking bizarre, bro. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, Very unhealthy. Yeah, well, and that's part of it, man. Like, this whole thing, the interesting part to me is just how much it seems to, like, mirror a typical YouTube channel, um, you know, and, and how, like, the way he talks, the way he talks about his day and everything, you could easily mistake this for some guy, you know, running a channel with a bunch of subscribers which is more is really one of the disturbing parts. Anyway, so he starts to go pretty downhill as the documentary progresses, and you get to, like, the last day. He's decided to mail Bjork a bomb um, because she's dating a black guy, and Ooh. he feels like he wants to have one final act that'll have an impact on the world, on her, so they'll be tied together. It's like the whole John Lennon killer you know, like the guy killed John Lennon because he wanted to be like tied to him in some way. So he mails her a bomb and then he starts filming his last day. And he's pretty crazy at this point. Like he's shaved his entire head. He paints it like red and black. Um, and he has this poster in the background saying the best of me and starts putting on her song. And he's like, I don't know, man, it's fucking disturbing. Like he, he's very yeah. clearly planning to kill himself at this point. Oh, um, dude. Luckily in the condensed version, you don't actually see it. So you just kind of see him get like ready to kill himself and then the camera fades to black. So you don't actually see that shit, but. Fuck me. Um, yeah, so he ends up dying and then they find this 22 hours of footage uh, as well as the bomb. You know, nothing happens to Bjork, but she released a statement after he killed himself saying, you know, how sorry she was uh, that someone felt that way and, you know, how no one should get caught up in other people's lives. So I guess, like, at the end of all of this, to <laughs> so there's some structure and narrative to what I'm talking about, a lot of, like, what I saw in the Bjork killer and Christine is they're just fucking sad people, man. They're sad, lonely people. They remind me so much of, like, they're like prototype online people, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, they talk I... about their feelings... They feel, sorry, yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say, and uh, I completely like can identify with these people because I think it's like a spectrum that everyone yep. is on to an extent, you know, and I think depending on your environment and what's happening in your life, like you can sort of like 
slide up and down it. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and you can see how the right or wrong kind of series of events can steer someone's life in that direction pretty easily, I think. Yeah, totally. I was just thinking, like, you know, we've been fortunate to have a pretty decent social circle. But even that, at times, like, I've definitely felt you know i've had definite periods of like recluding like rec recluding, you know like becoming more like insulated and closing the yeah, yeah. windows and not going outside for a few days and shit like that like you know i can totally understand parts of it which is the scary part is how human that entire like the spectrum is yeah 100 percent as it's, opposed um, to those ukrainian assholes you know like i can't fucking understand that at all yeah and no you're right actually it's interesting that you bring this up today because just last night actually i was watching a ted talk by i'm gonna quickly look up this guy's name i think it was by a british guy named uh johan hari spelled uh so j-o-h-a-n-n -N space h-a-r-i yeah um talking about uh the need to reform the way that we deal with depression and anxiety and like he brings up the really obvious but not often spoken about point that we evolved for like millions of years as a species to support one another and to cooperate and to engage in these projects as groups and the last sort of say 200 years is the first time ever in the history of our species that we've decided to abandon that behavior yeah. um and we're like we act surprised when people like those you just spoke about act in the way that they do when really it's almost as if what other outcome would there be <laughs> do yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah totally i think um it's it's one of those things where it's just it's everything's pushing everyone further away and you're getting all this like stupid behavior that a lot of people aren't fully seeming to understand like the, i feel like that like aggressive narcissism you see on social media and and everything is kind of like a symptom of the fact that people are just getting lonelier and lonelier. Mm, right. It's like desperate for attention, man. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right, man. And they don't have the right attention. Like, you know, getting some likes on a Facebook post or whatever, whatever dopamine you get from having anything sort of like go well online. <laughs> go well. Means, yeah. That doesn't have anything to shit talking with your mate on modern guilt podcast or uh, having a few beers yeah. or like you know fuck whatever like that it's just or listening to modern guilt as an audience member as if you're in the room and feeling like you're really included <laughs> what you are yeah which you are yeah. <laughs> especially <laughs> if you email us and suggest some things for us to talk about you motherfuckers which you can do by emailing us at modernguiltpod at gmail.com and we'll reply to you there you yep. go you don't need to go down the path, yeah. Ricardo or Christine. You can talk to us. Consider this the first day of the uh, Modern Guilt Community Support Program. Oh, it's such a good idea. Yep, there you yeah. go. Done. Boom. <laughs> yeah, In all seriousness, yeah. though, if anybody listening um, ever has any problem with anything like what we've just talked about, do email us because we're nice dudes and we care, believe it or not. Yeah, totally. And I actually happen to spend a fair amount of my time online chatting to people who probably feel that way and it's pretty enjoyable you know and it'd be nice to go. have a community like that that helps people out like mm. i i think one of the parts of the resurgence of religion has a lot to do with that like people wanting to feel included um so they go along to religious events which haven't abandoned 
the the meetup and the get together. You know? Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I actually get really angry towards like militant atheists or people who just shit on religion as like a part of their identity. Yeah. Um, because like I think it's almost almost pathological or just like sadistic to deny somebody uh, one means to that kind of like social or human end. Oh, totally. Like it's... religion is just a 100% viable path to fulfilling a lot of human needs. Yeah. And it drives me nuts when I'm like cornered by some dreadlocked douchebag at some like fucking house party just telling me about how like religion has ruined the world. And it's like, nah, mate, like you're a human tick. Like fuck off. Yeah, you see Richard Dawkins like trying to do his like <laughs> put on British um, superiority accent and talk yeah, about yeah. the. What if I believed in the flying spaghetti monster? What a preposterous <laughs> idea! And you just think like, man, you are so socially retarded. Like, do you <laughs> fucking get? That's the whole point. I mean, yeah, like ah, it's such a service well, yeah. to humanity having that... those little meetups and and everything. Yeah. And so what? So who fucking cares what they're talking about? I think it's great that there exactly, is something right? out there that's so inclusive. Yeah. You know? Oof. All right. No one else is being. And, and the <laughs> yeah, thing is, right? man, is like, if anyone does end up checking out the Ricardo stuff, I've at least got the sense that, man, had I been mates with like him or, you know, Christine or like one of these people, you could totally save them. They're excluded. And there's so many people that I've met that are excluded that don't have any friends at all. And it's fucking tragic. You know, it's like one of the saddest things I think is when I meet someone who's just been like, especially in New Zealand, where I think it's very easy because it's so clicky. They have that like old English hangover of like, you know, groups. Everyone's in the different. We talked about it last time. Yeah, yeah, uh, we did. Great. And this is, I guess, is an extension of that. It's like to the extreme, people really are getting totally excluded and they go through life you know, with nothing and then God forbid end up in the office world only to get made redundant 20 years after their career started. And then they there have you go. Anyway, what you got, fam? Well, nothing quite as uh, deep as that, but I'm kind of glad, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think we somehow seem to have a bit of like a synergy uh, sometimes where we might sense that the other one is about to do something really dark, so the other <laughs> tends to stare away from it just naturally, which is good. Yeah. But basically, I was just reading this, or a couple of article, articles recently, about people identifying discrepancies between gender as it relates to mask use in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, um, Jesus. All right, hit me with it. I'm going <laughs> to lean back into this one. Yeah, well, it's... I was actually, as I was reading these, I was debating whether or not to take the approach of sort of like maybe critiquing the um, gender identity slash like social justice warrior crusade that is <laughs> undoubtedly behind this or just, what's the word, sort of getting on their train for a little bit and just riding it and see what the view's like, you know? So that's what I did. As the um, view. Sick. I'm down. All right. Uh, well, the view's not that good. I'd give it a three out of five. Yeah, um, oh, but basically, halfway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been on worse trains. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much, studies are emerging saying that males, for whatever reason, are far less inclined than females to wear masks um, to protect themselves from COVID, 
even in places where the use of masks in public places is now like legally mandated, males are still around 20% less likely to wear a mask. Um, yeah. And like surveys show that men, for whatever reason, think they are less susceptible to the virus on average, yeah. <laughs> um, despite okay. the fact that statistically they have higher uh, mortality rates and, or sorry, not mortality rates, but higher death rates overall. Um, mortality would show that men are more likely to die once they have been infected than a woman, but more men are dying on net rather than per infection, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's unclear whether or not this might be like a chicken or the egg thing because more men might be getting infected because they are being careless dicks or men might just be more susceptible to the virus. It's unclear. I imagine, yeah. though, it's probably because men are being careless dicks. Um, so yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, do, I, well, I was thinking in my head about the man flu. Have you heard of the man flu? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and and there's something like men are more susceptible to colds and and whatnot. And I I don't I this is going off some shitty article that I would have read like years ago. But I am definitely more susceptible to getting sick than my sisters. You know, I get brutally sick. Yeah, right. When I get sick. But, you know, fuck me. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so one survey in, carried out in the States of, um, albeit only 2,500 people, but revealed that men are li more likely to think of wearing masks as, quote, shameful, not cool, and a sign of weakness, <laughs> which I think is just amazing. <laughs> like, I can't imagine what process would have to be going through your head to be thinking that but like that's cool and like i was nice. i was imagining what it All must right. be like if you're one of those dudes who thinks that wearing a mask is shameful and a sign of weakness like to walk down the road and just see all of the other men around you wearing masks yeah like are you just in this perpetual fit of rage and just like in disgust at how weak all of the people around you are is the guy that thinks that is super buff because that's the only thing i can picture is like some jacked dude walking around you know looking at a bunch of uh weak weaker men <laughs> the the person i picture taking that sort of uh stance on it would be like possibly a real estate agent or like a cryptocurrency trader who doesn't oh. need to wear like a suit every day, but he does. And like aviators yeah. and drives Uber as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> like knows nothing about politics, but identifies as a conservative. Yeah. You like ask him like, what are some conservative policies, man? And he's just like, oh, well, Trump. Ron Paul 2020. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... These articles kind of also touched on men being more natural, quote, risk takers and points to like the 2009 swine flu pandemic uh, saw men wearing less masks. They did studies in Mexico and even in Asian countries where mask wearing is like obviously way more socially ingrained in their culture. Yeah. Um, men were still less likely to wear them. Oh. And one article by the BBC like touched on the idea that Maybe men aren't actually risk takers. They're just like careless or maybe even stupid. Um, yeah. And while I don't think that's the case, I don't think one gender is more stupid than the other. They pointed to this like pretty hilarious anecdotal evidence. And you know that kind of, I mean, I would struggle to call it an institution, but the Darwin Awards who like identify oh, yeah. people who have died in really dumb ways and then compile <laughs> like a list of winners. 
Yeah. Between like the late nineties and twenty fifteen, ninety percent of all winners were men. Yeah. Which I think is just so great to picture like these bored dudes just sitting around like in their garage just dying. <laughs> to be fair, some of those were like kind of like, you know, things that I would imagine Tim the Toolman Taylor to be doing, but like a more souped up version of him. Yeah, you know, that's like, exactly why it's hilarious. Strap a fucking NOS can, you know, several to the back of my like Nissan Sunny. Yeah, like I'm yeah. gonna build a machine that lets me drink beer quickly or something yeah, yeah, and yeah. the machine just impales you and <laughs> like i love that there are like enough guys in the world that have some like unnecessary motivation to do something that won't even improve their life that yeah. they just end up accidentally killing themselves which is obviously fucking sad but uh. it's just such a hilarious like reflection on just the the kind of I guess, typical idea of masculinity. Yeah. Well, and, I, shit, man. I've done enough stuff, I feel like, that's pretty stupid. They could have gone oh, really sure, wrong. Dude. But it's fun. It's fun to, like, make little bombs and shit. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Fights. Like, yeah. the Darwin Awards are as much a, a celebration of, um, of, like, kind of human adventure as they are um, a paying out of dumb people dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, like, totally. There is almost as much glory in the Darwin Awards <laughs> as there is shame, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah. You know, and there's some interesting engineering feats. Like if if uh if man thinks he can build it, he will try. Straight um, up. And frankly, I I yeah, that should be a universal thing. You know, it is a universal thing. Speaking of man building things, I was listening to this recent uh Joe Rogan experience episode this morning where they talk to George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell. George Knapp is like one of the most respected UFO investigative reporters. And Jeremy Corbell is this kind of douche who's recently made a couple of docos about like investigating UFOs and Bob Lazar that, um, Oh yeah. yeah, You know, for anyone who doesn't know who Bob Lazar is or who isn't, (laughs) um, who isn't into UFOs like myself or Damon might be, um, Yeah. Bob Lazar was this dude who came out in like the late 80s or early 90s, I think, and basically claimed to be reverse engineering alien spacecrafts in a facility close to Area 51 in Nevada, which I'm sure everyone is aware of what Area 51 is, but it's like a secret uh, military site in the United States that's has restricted access to the public where they are alleged to experiment with potentially alien technologies and aircrafts so but anyway they went on this kind of tangent and they were talking about how bob lazar was just like such a cool dude and like a bit of a tripper even like external to all of his alien related (laughs) antics Um, (laughs) and he put like a jet engine in a honda (laughs) and made like a jet car and was in the local paper and built like laser guns and flamethrowers and like illegal firework shows that he would put on in the desert for like the public and everyone knew that he would do it, but he was kind of just like allowed to do his thing. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So like yeah. Bob Lazar famed UFO, uh, <laughs> UFO, uh, what would you call him? Informer? Uh, whistleblower? Yeah, so. Whist- yeah, whistleblower. Yeah, <laughs> UFO whistleblower. Yeah. Uh, could have easily found himself a Darwin Award winner as well. I hope he yeah. never does. Because he's actually a pretty funny guy. He's a national treasure. Mm. Anyway, sorry, carry on. No, no, don't be sorry. I kind of just continued to read some other articles about 
how as well masks and weirdly becoming these sort of like rising objects where you have the left wearing masks and the right refusing to and even though that's like taken root in the United States, that idea is kind of spreading globally now. Um, oh, it really and is. Yeah. One political uh, Politico article used this headline in kind of like a tongue-in-cheek way, and the headline was "Wearing a mask is for smug liberals; refusing to is for reckless Republicans." But I feel like that idea about smug liberals wearing masks is becoming really fucking accurate, and I hate it. But I think it's almost true, man. Like. I Almost, can, it's fucking 100% true. Yeah, like I swear yeah. that I can just like sense the like self-aggrandization sort of permeating from my screen when I see someone on social media wearing a mask out in public with like some yeah. trendy outfit on and shit. Um, Driving a Prius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that got me thinking as well. Like it's quite interesting because in Australia we're obviously – the idea of uh, the general public needing to all be wearing masks at all times is only just starting to sort of become a little bit prominent due to the second outbreak in Victoria and New South Wales. But even before that, there was still this sort of polarisation amongst <laughs> mask wearers and non-wearers because yep. any sort of like left-leaning rally, like such as the Black Lives Matter rallies that were being held during lockdown were all wearing masks in order to defend themselves from accusations from the right, claiming that they're all going to be, you know, spreading COVID, they're not social distancing and not being safe and whatnot. And those are like the only group of people in Australia that I've seen kind of like adopt wearing masks in a pretty sort of strong way. Yeah. Um, so in, in multiple ways, <laughs> the wearing of masks is becoming something that the left is doing, which is really odd, I think. It's kind of annoying. I, I just, I sort of feel that beyond this is everything is starting to becoming politicized. It's it's horrible. It's like you almost can't have an identity that isn't one thing or another. It's like you either believe one set of things or you believe the other. And if there's no kind of like middle ground on it. Yeah, right? that's that's exactly where I was going to kind of finish oh, up this tangent. No, okay, no, don't be sorry yeah. at all, man. I was just going to yeah. say, you know, like I say all this to outline the idea that it's just impossible for us to collectively process any issue or phenomenon without becoming tribal and partisan and just wanting to fucking pelt the other side with stones. Yeah, um, man. Oh, God, just I Just to, America. like, make like... ourselves feel good. But it's not just America, dude. Like, it fucking happens in Australia and I imagine in New Zealand. Like, I'm sure it happens in fucking Europe. It Wherever, does, man. Dude. But um, the thing is, is I think this is exported American culture. Um... I think that American narratives are getting exported over here and they're frankly kind of irrelevant and like um, because they dominate the global conversation thanks to, you know, that everyone now is seeing. You know, back in the day, dude, like it was like you'd pick up the New Zealand Herald or Brisbane Times. Yeah. Yeah, the Courier Mail or whatever and you hear local issues and you flip to the world page and like, you know, there's some bullshit you don't care about. Whereas now it's like, you know, however you're getting your news, if it's like Facebook or Reddit or Twitter or, you know, I don't fucking know, whatever. Where's the low, you know, no one's looking at the local issues. And instead you're getting like slammed with all these like this partisan crap because you're either on the right or the left of the states, you know. Mm. I tend to agree with you, but I wonder if it's less a case of American culture being exported as it is local media or independent media dying so that there's no money to 
cover uh, local issues anymore. So like 20 years ago, your local paper probably would have had a huge staff full of reporters going all around the city and, and the state or, you know, even nationally to be developing these stories, right? So like that you could viably put out a front page story that is of a high enough level to cover a local issue that could um, earn that spot on the front page, you know? But now you're forced to just respond to other dominant narratives in the news um, because it's fucking cheap and easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I would agree with that statement as well. You know? Yeah. Um, there's not much money in reporting like local bylaw shit or, you know, who's going to be filling in the potholes. Doesn't get many likes <laughs> on social media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so, I, yeah. That sucks. Um, that's annoying. So I definitely feel that whole like, I mean, it's not much of a thing in New Zealand. No one really wears masks here anyway because we haven't... Well, you're, pretty you're good, man, free. aren't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you still get sick, though. Like, rehashing what happened three, four episodes ago, I was fucked. You know? Like, there's mm. something going around. Do you think that masks are here to stay? I hope so. I hate getting sick, man. It sucks. And people are gross. Mm. Like, I hope I hope sanitary uh, behavior is well here to stay. I heard, like, this woman I used to work with, man, got gerada from a shopping cart. What the fuck is gerada? I, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but it's like a, it's like a fecal matter spread illness. Oh, bro. And, like, the doctor was like, oh, you probably, you know, like, yeah, it's pretty normal to get it from shopping carts. You know, they're really dirty. And I just thought, fuck, that is gross. You yeah, know, man, that's so rough. disgusting. And... Anyone who's worked in the office well knows how filthy those places are. And, like, you'll get some dumbass who comes in and he's like, oh, it's only a cold. And, like, proceeds to sneeze and cough on every single surface, you know? And then yeah. you get, like, brutally sick. There's no excuse for doing that if you're, like, on a salary with sick leave, man. That's fucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, like, frowned upon to take sick leave. Or at least every job I've had, it was, like, frowned upon. It was like, oh. That is pussy. insane, right? Because, like... Why aren't you wage slaving harder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like pretty yeah. much every job I've had for like the last five years or whatever, I've just been like casual, have had like no sick leave entitlements or whatever. Yeah. So the idea of having time off when you're sick in that instance is almost like unfeasible because you're living paycheck to paycheck anyway. Yeah. And like basically if you don't go and earn that money, you're probably just going to get like more sick. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. also like someone else is going to come into the same workplace and infect everyone anyway, eventually. So it's kind of just like the sooner your whole casual team can just get fucked up and return back to work, the better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, man, if you're getting like sick leave, then that's like horrible. And it sucks that that's a part of, I guess, like professional culture, you know, like oh, I'm a hard worker, I'm sick and still in the office. Yeah. Oh, uh, they're gross. just, they're sycophants. They're disgust. This is a whole other episode that I will be doing <laughs> on how fucking disgusting the professional environment is, um, because I have endless material for it. Endless. Uh, but man, it's a culture of like of uh, of sycophancy, of like begging to try and get your meager little five percent pay rise, you know, and like stabbing your employees in the back and showing up when you're brutally sick. So anyway, I'm all for um, people being cleaner and wearing masks and shit. Because frankly, I hate getting sick. And I think people are pretty gross, you know, like a lot of people just spread disease and shit. And if we can eliminate like a large swaths of illness by wearing masks, then dope. And some of them look kind of cool, you know, but 
What do I know? I drink soy protein and, um, you know. And then <laughs> Don't put yourself down like that, man. That's not all you are. Yeah, there's more to it. That doesn't there's... define you. What's the best food you've eaten lately? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I've been on a buzz of like eating lots of fish, just really good salmon. You know, I just love it. It's just something about it. It's so nourishing and mm. healthy. My sister's vegan and I eat with her quite a lot and she's been feeding me a lot of like uh, fake meat stuff and I've got kind of an interest in fake meat anyway because frankly I would become vegetarian overnight if I had a really cheap source of fake meat but it's all really expensive so you know mm. just fail. Yeah it's a super fascinating um, kind of development at the moment. Hey I think um, it's something that we're probably, you know, five to ten years away from, from what I've heard, like viable economic alternatives. Um, oh, I, I think it's marked up. I think it's already here. I just don't think there's enough competitors. Like, do, do you reckon? Because mm, that well, stuff is surely pretty cheap to produce. Yeah, but I don't think it's cheap enough to produce yet on a mass scale, from what I understand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong. But um, I think you also have to factor in the cost of swinging around the market for it uh, in terms of prob- most likely running massive PR campaigns <laughs> to essentially get people to eat fake meat. Because um, even though to you and I, it just seems like a no-brainer, I think a lot of people would be like staunchly opposed to it. Yeah, B- BK is doing pretty good at that. So shout out to Burger King for mm. their work. Yeah, have you um, had they... one of those burgers? Yeah, I loved it. I thought yeah, it was great. Really? True. Yeah, I had the I had the Rebel Whopper. Um, shout yeah. out to BK for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> I had Wish. one at Hungry Jack's in Brizzy actually. When Cam oh, that's there, your BK. Actually. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I was pretty fucking disappointed. But oh, then again, really? like I hadn't had a Hungry Jack's burger in like years anyway, so like I didn't know what the fuck to expect. You know, I forgot this what they guy. were even. Yeah, no, okay. I'm not fucking bougie, bro. I'm as lowly as the next man, bro. I just fucking don't eat meat. Too bro. good for Hungry Jacks. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So what disappointed you? Because I, I was, like, stunned at how close it tasted to meat. Yeah, right. To be perfectly honest, I can't remember what about it disappointed me. I just remember yeah. being vaguely disappointed. Um, Lord of the Fries, though, man, is my burger spot now. Oh, yeah, um, they're dope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, that one opened in Brisbane, like, a year ago or some shit. So, getting, uh, yeah, a lot of vegan burgers. I love how they don't tell you as well. You just kind of walk in there. Yeah, that's so true, dude. And I think, like, that sort of relates to a lot of things that, unfortunately, I would say are typically associated with the left, like environmentalism, veganism, and et et cetera. Like, when you don't broadcast it, it's so much easier to get on board with. Yeah, because it's annoying, man. I hate yeah, exactly. smug virtue signaling bullshit. Like, yeah. there's like, nothing more obnoxious than that. Yeah. yeah. If you switch your superannuation to, like, an ethical or sustainable fund, that's dope. But don't walk up to me wearing, like, a bead necklace and hemp pants, smoking a doobie <laughs> with some dreads and tell me about it. Yeah. There's uh, two classes, right? There's, like, the Byron Bay... Um, new hippie liberal class which is just horrible and will always be obnoxious and then there's like the yuppie liberal which is like yeah yeah just they're they're the worst they're the ones i hate the most because like i think i think they're the biggest classists out 
that are like you know just hate like um anyone that isn't working some yuppie professional job yeah and, i feel you yeah virtue signals really hard on on everything but are is like so middle of the road you know <laughs> i think it's important to identify though that i think the only difference between the uh the yuppie liberals and the the new hippie liberals is that the yuppies are capable yeah <laughs> The hippies oh. would do the same thing if they could do anything, but they fucking Ooh. can't. I'll toe the line. No, I, I'll push back on that one, man. So multiple times throughout my very short-lived career, um, <laughs> I came across a lot of people in like far more senior positions than you would think who openly would talk about having absolutely no skills whatsoever. Like, I, I think a lot of people overestimate what exactly goes into a professional job. You know, like, yeah, it's yeah. mainly button pushing and lever pulling um, carried out on a spreadsheet. Like yeah, the, no, I understand that. There's no that. skills, you know. It's so, a factory line for people in suits. Yeah, when I say capable, though, I think I mean less about having tangible skills as opposed to having the discipline and, like, the self-respect to go to a job every day or sure. like fit in and not be so obnoxious that you fucking walk around in bare feet just like smelling everywhere. Are they just institutionalized though? Because maybe that lower liberal hippie class is just, that's their own little institution. It fully is, dude. I don't understand. I, I can't imagine those professional yuppies like doing anything else, you know? Like they've been yeah. born into it. They're kind of like on autopilot and they're just sort of enacting their programming. Yeah, I mean, um, like, people are, we're almost like hollow shells waiting to be filled by institutions, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, honestly, like, everyone's going to fall one particular way, bro. Yeah. So, like, I don't really have any more respect for these uh, new hippies in Byron Bay as I do for the uh, environmental yuppies. But, yeah. um, fuck, I mean, I'm probably a fucking environmental yuppie myself, man, so I don't know shit. <laughs> no, no, man, you're definitely not. You don't have the, uh, you, you know the type. Oh. You're, well, you're not, you're not, yeah, you're not, like, lording it over other people. Like, at the end of the day, it's a respect thing, and no one's mind is going to be changed if you're just, like, shaming them ruthlessly um, and passing everyone that doesn't agree with you off as, like, stupid tradies and bogan idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Something that I've kind of like been re-exposed to recently in this new job that I've started is like that same dynamic, but in the world of like specialty coffee, (laughs) which is really rough, man. Coming across certain people who just think that because they work with or drink very nice coffee, that that's something that they should like talk about, tell you about. Yeah, yeah. And kind of just like project that onto you. I like great coffee as much as the next person. And of course, I prefer to like work with nice specialty coffee than some uh, cheaper, shitty tasting stuff. But yeah. I also understand that like there's no, nothing wrong with yeah. drinking shitty coffee if that's what you fucking want to do. Like if you don't care about how your coffee tastes, then just do it. It's like craft and, brew. Yeah, exactly, man. Like yeah. sometimes you just want some VB. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Anyone any like, who wants to get on my ass about that can fuck right off. Yeah, it's a drug, and man. just because you have the most developed palate in the Western world when it comes to craft beer doesn't mean like people should give a fuck when you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can admire, like, if, if I'm coming from like a Jiro Dreams of Sushi 
um, perspective, which is like you're becoming a, a master of a particular craft. So for context, um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi is about a guy that's dedicated his entire life uh, to making the perfect piece of sushi. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's a master. He's like a samurai. Like he just, you know, carefully crafts every piece. Um, but it, it's also fascinating because he, it informs like the way he does everything in his life. Like he wakes up to go to the market and he knows how to find the freshest fish and like the right time to buy at for different types of sushi. Like the man's a genius when it comes mm. to sushi and it's fascinating. And if like, that's the approach you're taking to the perfect cup of coffee, then sick. If you're just being a snooty wanker, then, you know. <laughs> mm. You see, like, I appreciate mastery as well. But my personal view is that, like, any form of mastery should almost uh, encompass a degree of humility as well. Yeah. I think the more mastery of something you develop, almost the more humility is required to continue to exercise that mastery over it. Yeah. Totally. Like if I come to um, a master barista and I say I need something to wake me up, I'm not looking for the best coffee um, made by like th- some divine coffee tribe. <laughs> divine septum pierced tattooed <laughs> white male. Yeah, I'm looking for like, you know, a strong filtered coffee, which is frankly what I drink every single day. And that shit pops, you know, it's, it's fucking lit. I love it. That um, shit pops. And a good master would know that. There you go. <laughs> to give me a filter coffee, right? Um, <laughs> should we do some quick hits? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. What, what are you, you been what watching? Are you, what have I been watching? Uh, um, not a lot, really. We did that big binge on cinema and everything last week. And I've sort of tapered off a lot. Like, I haven't really watched anything. Uh, sorry, Michael. I am planning on watching the Blumhouse and other suggestions that have been given to me. But uh, I started mm. like half watching a few films and I was just like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. I, I, um, I downloaded Snowtown. I still haven't watched that, but I'm, but I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah. Yeah. How's uh, Don Quixote going? Really well, man. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I actually was talking to Francisca about this yesterday. Like, I found that I'm reading it really slowly and I think that's because I'm enjoying it so much. Mm. Um, and when I say slowly, not as in like, I don't have any interest in picking it up. Um, I just like, I'm kind of reading a paragraph and I find myself just pausing and kind of thinking about it. And it sounds really kind of, um, I sound like a bit of an art wanker, but I'm kind of just reading it really mindfully. Um, I support you being an art wanker. That's (laughs) kind of just like appreciate it as it's coming and yeah Yeah. it's good man but it's gonna be a long slog for me yeah it's a big book but i mean the books like that are made to be appreciated like you know i am still rereading my favorite books over and over again Um, yeah true the brothers karamazov was so good and so powerful that i still reread chapters of that all the time you know and appreciate how good they are and get something yeah. new out of it like all the time like it's i that's on my uh, to read list actually oh yeah man it's uh it's probably the closest i've come to like converting to christianity you know yeah <laughs> real close uh i didn't but i still have like a strong aesthetic appreciation for for what belief can do for you but yeah it's just oh man it's so good Dostoevsky talking about the ills of society in the 1800s is as relevant now uh, as it was back then. 
you know, which totally backs up anything Ray Dalio says about, you know, the world working in cycles. He just released a new thing, actually. Um, I'm going to read that and drop it next week. So tune in. Yeah, dope. <laughs> yeah, Fuck more yeah. Ray Dalio's no, talk of how we're destroying ourselves. Oh, man, I totally just lost my thought then. That's all right. What are you listening to then? <laughs> That's such a smooth yeah. segue. Yeah, well done, Damon. You saved the podcast. <laughs> Man, I have been kind of like shamelessly listening to my own shit a little bit, to That's be cool. honest, man. I got some like new stuff back from like, my masterer. So I've got some stuff like ready to release that I'm kind of just quietly yeah, stoked yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've just like been bumping you know, that a little do bit. Do I get to have a um, preview? Or when's this stuff coming out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll send you one after we uh, after we finish recording. But I don't know when I'll release it yet. I'm still working out the sort of plans for that. I've got a couple of little like factors I need to consider because I um I won some like funds from Arts Queensland to put out some music. Sick. Yeah, so I've got to like just figure out how best to utilize that in conjunction with the timing of this like music festival called Big Sound, which is coming up in Brisbane in like October. Is that, none none um, of that's going to get affected? No, no. It's, um, well, it, it's been affected already in the sense that it's now half the size as it usually is. It's normally like four days and four nights. It's now like two nights. But that's like, there's always like a lot of industry people around Brisbane at that time. So I'd really like to drop something in the lead up to that. Um, so that I can just like have something yeah. to shill. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, been doing that. Uh, there's a new album by The Streets actually called None of Us Are Getting Out of This Alive, which is pretty sick. Um, sick. Yeah. Nice. Are you familiar with The Streets? I am, yeah. You showed me some. And I remember them oh, from that. Oh, I did like, too. Uh, the one they did. You off it, but don't you know it? That one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that song is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, good album cool. too. Cool. I was been checking out Lord Apex. He was oh, really good. How good is it, bro? Yeah, man. No, it's sick. Um, Fuck yeah. Really good. So that was a fucking rad suggestion. I just like that grimy, like you know, dark, dingy room, uh, chic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever the genre is, you know, just like nah, that's a, a good aesthetic, and, man. Yeah, yeah. It sounds awesome. Yeah, there's like a real nice sort of um, aesthetic coming out of the UK at the moment. I think they're like developing a bit more of like a kind of a darker sound now, which is like a little bit more than just that kind of harsh street grime sound. Yeah. It's more like kind of insular and introspectively dark, um, which I'm, I'm really fucking into. I'm all about my new uh, routine of blasting into my into the dreamscape with melatonin once a week. Um, totally gels with that. Like, you know, being able to like just get into like a real grimy headspace and then just like drift off into the dreamscape to grungy beats. I feel is uh, they're they're very complimentary. Um, I'm not listening to it to go to sleep. <laughs> It just gets yeah. me into the headspace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I get you. Yeah. Um, you know what is a good fucking album to go to sleep to, though, man, is Bad Vibes by Shlomo. 
Have you ever listened to that? No, I don't even think I've heard of Shlomo. Oh man, we'll uh, we'll include it in the episode link. All right, uh, that's one of my favorite albums of all time, man. And it yeah. just takes me to like a completely different place. It sounds like fucking space travel at a recreational speed. <laughs> that's sick. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that sentence just came out of my mouth. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. You should listen to that shit, man, tonight. Or yeah, whenever. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Throw it over and I'll I'll tune in. Have you got a grifter of the week? Yeah, I do actually, dude. You might have seen this video circulating online, but um, recently this televised interview happened in the UK uh, on the BBC, where the host was grilling like the Chinese ambassador to the United Kingdom over the Uyghur concentration camps. Ooh, was that Xinjiang. hard talk or something? God damn, it sounds good. I, to be honest, man, I don't even know the show. I probably should have actually looked it up. Let yeah. me check it out right now. Um, so, uh, Andrew Ma, that actually really rings a bell. Andrew You know Ma. that guy? No. Um, Andrew Ma. Doesn't actually say the show. Oh, does he do Hard Talk? He looks like he did the guy from Hard Talk. Maybe yeah, not. Yeah, okay, I right. Know. I, don't, I anyway. don't actually know Hard Talk. So, anyway... Andrew Ma plays this video that's been circulating that was like it's like satellite or aerial footage taken of this Uyghur concentration camp where there's just like hundreds of these guys in jumpsuits with shaved heads with like blindfolds on cable tied kneeling on the fucking ground and being like rounded up and put onto trains and I don't use this comparison lightly but it looks like some like modern day Auschwitz shit. I think I've seen the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're just being like rounded up like goats, man. And just like, it's crazy. Yeah. So he's got the conscious, the, uh, rather the ambassador on live TV in front of him and he just plays the video and he's just like, what's the go, bro? Pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And man, this guy like squirms and makes every fucking excuse as to like how he can justify the footage and um he's basically just flat out denying that there's a genocide taking place like on live tv that's horrendous <laughs> um, yeah and um yeah. so An- andrew ma like busts out the statistics on him like in a perfect rebuttal that he just had like locked and loaded ready to go and yeah this ambas- ambassador just like makes a meal of it but doesn't have like the humility or the wherewithal to just kind of back away and the interview and leave yeah and then starts claiming that it's like fake footage and shit yeah um, it's yeah it's fucking gross oh uh, dude that's good i'm gonna check that out yeah. um i'd love to see that you know i you don't really have a lot of options for like the ideal superpower like the um the states is pretty shithouse and i frankly don't really see them in a positive light at all. And China's obviously, you know, the abuses, I'm sure we're just scratching the surface on the sort of shit that they get up to. Oh, yeah. You know? They both suck, man. Well, I want Australia to take over. <clears throat> oh, man. Maybe Not if Australia's we... the best either, but... <laughs> Maybe if we um, started charging multinational corporations uh, the right taxes for our mineral deposits, we might have a chance. But... um. Yeah. We're destined to just be the world's low-priced supermarket for now, I think. <laughs> for iron and other crap. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I can't remember what this term was that I've heard someone use lately, talking about how there's, like, 
even though Australia is like itself colonized land and a former colony, et cetera, like the extractive kind of like dynamics in the way that the world just like uses Australia for its resources is essentially like a colonial relationship. And Australia is acts as sort of like what in like political science is called like a satellite state or peripheral state in that it's kind of just like lives on the fringes and is connected to greater powers through this like extractive relationship where we just like fuel them and gain like very little of the benefits. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to visualize the word as well. It's kind of like, like the, like the girl in the popular club, you know, like you, you have those movies and there's like, like those yeah, 90s yeah. teenage movies and there's the, the only thing my brain can use. <laughs> it's like a reference point. And there's like that really attractive girl. And then there's the one who's like kind of like loud and annoying. And like, that's Australia. And I guess the popular ones like yeah, yeah. America. <laughs> I think you have, uh, yeah. Wrong that was the analogy, man. That'll go down in history. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was looking at the Twitter hack. So Twitter got hacked recently. Oh, yeah. I saw you posting about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was trying to get banned, man. So You were trying to um, get banned? My grifter of the week is Twitter because like all of the major accounts got hacked by this um, phenomenal grift. Like, you know, it's so this guy targeted Biden and Elon Musk and like everything. And like in the most pathetic bitcoin hack that i've ever you know i've seen these hacks all around twitter before like ages ago people were doing them when um they would post up a on a account that was slightly similar to a main account like it would be like elon Musk, yeah or um jeff bozos <laughs> or something like that and, and the account would say effectively say uh send me 1000 bitcoin and i'll send you back two you know and people actually did it which is mind-blowing so there's this hack recently where this uh group of people or maybe one person or something um got all like the account to all these high profile accounts and posted this shitty bitcoin hack saying send me you know whatever you send me i'll double it back to you um up to like 35 million dollars and it kind of worked like he got like or she got or they got or whatever you know a hundred and fifty thousand bitcoin that's good days worth of usd it's okay man but if you think you hacked like the top you know like 10 20 accounts in the world like can't they hack kanye and shit you know in a bitcoin hack like you just think of i could have made way more fucking money on that hack i feel i just would have tanked like the stock price and bet against it or something like I, it's so ridiculous that they did it as a bitcoin hack Anyway, they released um, photos, alleged photos of like Twitter's internal um, dashboard that is used to like block accounts. And in that, they have a trends blacklist and stuff. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, well, that, that was the whole thing. And they were suspending accounts that post. Allegedly, Vice was reporting that they're um, suspending accounts that posted up the picture of the dashboard. Ah. So I was posting about it because I wanted to see if it was true and get banned, which I didn't. Um, unfortunately, so I'm still on Twitter <laughs> and that was my whole reason behind it because it's like, what a fucking pile of shit social media company has, they've so obviously been, um, you know, everyone knows that they've been like steering the conversation towards Twitter's like, 
yuppie end goals of being uh, an obnoxious, smug social media yeah. company. But this just kind of like further proves the fact that they're totally blacklisting particular trends and particular narratives. And they aren't the ones that you think they should be blacklisting. They're the what were some ones, examples of I them? would say. Uh, well, I don't know. So all I know is that they have this internal tool um, and they're very clearly like steering the conversation. Mm. What they have not been doing is blacklisting shit like uh, that asshole that doxed that white woman a while ago. Fuck, I can't remember his name. He's not worth remembering. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, there's been a lot of like very high profile, not high profile doxes, but you know, very um, publicized doxes of people going up and like filming someone's house and their car and being like this person lives here and she called me the n-word and it's like whether or not that happened uh you don't fucking dox yeah yeah fully for an angry mob to show up you know like that is pretty mess in this climate like what the yeah i mean like and they didn't they didn't blacklist that shit so people it's only a matter of time before like someone gets fucking killed man like as a result of that shit yeah 100%, you know. Um, Anyway, so that's my grifter of the week. Twitter sucks. Uh, I remain on there, but I don't use it. I follow follow you. I follow someone else. Yeah. I I deleted Twitter recently as well, but obviously, like, kept my account. Um, Just, I don't... I don't understand what kind of like emergency I'm keeping it for, but I'm like, well, maybe I'll, I'm going to want to need it or whatever. But, um, yeah, I can't imagine I will. And I'm, it's not that relevant in this part of the world anyway. Right. Like I don't know anyone who really uses Twitter in any serious capacity and I, it's not how, yeah, we don't have any people on there. Yeah. I, I don't, that we're that's a fun. weird idea because like at the same time, I know what you mean when you say that it's not that relevant in this part of the world, but at the same time, I don't know if it matters, if that makes sense. Like I think it's such a global platform that like the conversation is the same here than it is in the States, you know? And I yeah, think like it's, it's, it is just as popular here. I think, um, we're just don't not really talking that much about Australian or New Zealand issues. Um, oh, good point. Yeah. I mean, it, it okay. does happen. Like I definitely follow some Australian users who are pretty like, I guess, active in, um, Australian discussions or whatever, but obviously yeah. not to the same extent. And I mean, it, it just doesn't uh, dictate the, the terms of narratives, like the events in, a, yeah. in the States do. So we just don't notice, you Scotty's know? not on Twitter, right? Or if he is on Twitter, he's not announcing. Oh like, yeah. It's just like some like somewhere. super safe, boring yeah. bullshit. I would like have more respect for him if he could actually put his ball on the line and actually say something interesting. Uh- <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I kind of like the whole, like, public policy announced on Twitter. Me too, yeah. I, Yeah, I actually think that's a step in the right direction because at least, you know, it's way more transparent. Like, I know what's on Trump's mind, you know, like all the time. Well, do we? Um, He loves Goya foods. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's tweeted about it all the time. You know, I don't know. Like, it just seems better that it's, there's more transparency over what's happening, I guess. So. Yeah, no, no, I, I get you. Yeah, I'm scrolling through ScoMo's Twitter feed right now and it's just the most vanilla, safe, bland shit you can imagine. Like it's it's almost like yeah. upsetting how just like uninteresting it is. Um, yeah, like yeah. you'd think if you were the prime minister, you'd have some interesting things to say, but he just has like 
a uh, a millennial version of himself running his social media for him and just posting stuff that other like conservative white Australian guys want to read. The yeah. same dudes John who are T. like sitting yeah. at the cafe reading the Bill Clinton autobiography, just <laughs> checking Twitter on. Oh yeah. Ooh, that's a awesome. new tweet from Skymo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna like that yeah. one. Um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I know John Key used to keep a video diary that was like wasn't like risque, <laughs> but it was at least you know interesting. It's on YouTube, so yeah, right. I haven't really watched too many because I couldn't give a fuck about John Key's like personal life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just can't imagine there's anything like unless he's shilling the dirt on his little bratty son. Oh uh, yeah, uh, what is his son doing now? His daughter. Oh, I don't know, man. His son just, was like a rapper, right? He was a DJ. Oh, well, he was a DJ. Then he was like, he got an internship at um, one of our investment banks, uh, right, or something. Max and Key. Now I think he's still a DJ or some shit. I have no idea. He's just being a little to be honest man like i would probably be far less cool than him if i was john key's son i'd be a pile <laughs> of shit well um there's an life. article on uh newshub.co.nz i don't know if this website is remotely reputable or not um yeah there are okay. published four days ago uh headline john key's son max snaps up 1.4 million dollar auckland villa in mount albert so there you go sick I bet he's gonna yeah. party a lot in there and you know what fuck it man like let he's the son of a very let him live yeah, he's just a live. fucking dude right dude um if it was you and me i just feel like i'd i'd have that villa and just be throwing tons of shitty parties in there and you know what are you gonna do you're the son of like a rich wealthy banker like yeah what's even I mean, an appropriate thing to do in that scenario get you know oh, get a real job fuck that why would you ever want to do that i mean i'm sure he has a real job like I'm sure John Key doesn't let him just, like, fucking suck his blood. Yeah, probably not. For a living. Um, <laughs> his daughter was posting nudes. Uh... Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but oh, like, my God, dude. What? I'm looking at, like... Did you look them up? I'm just looking at these guys on, like, Google Images, and, yeah, just very interesting. Who? Max Key? The sister. Oh, the sister, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, I can't see these nudes, but it looks like she's some kind of, like, performance artist or some shit, maybe, yeah, who, like, likes to not wear clothes. Yeah, yeah, she's, like, a new age uh, artiste um, or some such, something like that. Whatever, mm. cool. Fuck, yeah. get on her. There's I, a photo of her hair, like, naked with, like, McDonald's products over her private part. I think that was the one, so maybe they're not, like, legit nudes, but they're, like, you know... They're tasteful, tasteful art nudes. <laughs> art nudes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Love the pink hair. That's <laughs> all I can say. <laughs> um. Yeah. Good on him, man. I bet he's stoked with them as well, you know. what? Did, did you have any, like, strong thoughts about John Key? Well, oh, at the time, I kind of liked John Key. Yeah. Um, but I also wasn't very woke. Yeah, yeah. But I I remember thinking that he was at least a pretty good speaker. He didn't come across as too much of a fucking snake. Yeah. I think he did legitimately lead New Zealand to a pretty good economic situation, if what I remember is correct. Although that came at the expense of a lot of public spending. Um, yeah. Am I right about that? 
I don't know, man. I am not very woke on anything. Um, I and when I say that, I mean I don't know anything uh, when it comes to this sort of stuff. Because I remember hating John Key ruthlessly when I was like a very incensed. Um, like I don't know, I don't know what was going on in that period of my life. I was felt very strongly about things in one particular way. And for whatever reason, that led me to being very anti-John Key. But I don't think yeah, my right. opinion was informed. And I don't think I actually, you know, there's nothing even worth mentioning about it because like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Like all I know is that I voted for National in the one election that I could vote in when I lived in New Zealand. And like, I don't even really know why. Yeah. I just didn't hate John Key. So there you go. How about that? How about that? Well, we've been going for about 104 minutes, so like over an hour 40. Um, so I think it's time for us to call it a day or call it a pod at least. Yeah. Um, this has been episode eight of Modern Guilt. We were just talking before we recorded this show that the listenership is still increasing gradually. So thank you to those of you who are sharing with some pals or um, maybe spreading the word through some other means. We're trying, but I don't know if we're very good at it. Glad to so. see the silent majority is stronger than ever. <laughs> or the vast, vast silent minority. <laughs> yeah. um, imagine if one day listeners of Modern Guild were a majority. That'd be pretty funny. If 50.01% of the world's population listened to Modern Guild podcast. I don't know how I'd take that. I would. That'd be pretty intense. Yeah. yeah, I'd probably become a monster like Max Key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I definitely think I'd, I'd blow out pretty hard. Um, uh, how much would you? Uh, how much do you think we should uh, agree to sell the pod to Spotify for one day? Um, What's our selling point? A hundred mil? Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, fuck. I will sell a lot of my dignity for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Would you let Mark Zuckerberg fuck you for a hundred million dollars? Yeah. Why is that even a question? You know, of course. Mm. Like, I don't have to ever work again. Yeah, um, right. And he's I don't clean. know if I would. Wouldn't you? No. Uh, Fair enough. That's cool. Uh, I'd prefer to pay him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, no. Nah. I don't... I honestly don't know if I could um, have sex with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, just think about the lives you'd be saving while it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I actually... Um, the smiles that you'd be giving. And, and including Mark. You'd be making his Yeah. Day. Yeah, well... I've actually kind of decided recently to try and be less um, of an altruistic person. So there you go. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> Your argument doesn't work against me anymore. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that one or just leave uh, it? I'm, I'm just fucking jaded, man. Oh, yeah. Um, I just like, when I say altruistic, I mean like I'm still, or I feel like it's in my nature to always be a nice person and to care about others, but I don't want to be politically active and i'm gonna make like less of an effort to understand what's happening in the world that's a very good idea and and more of an effort to just like focus on things that i like and see if that begins to maybe transform the way i perceive my reality totally that's a very good um, idea yeah you should always do mm. that. That, that there's only one way to lead and it's by example right so you know that's a very good point turn inwards be the change you want to see in the yeah. world Plus, wear a blindfold at all times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's much more enjoyable. All right. Yeah. Well, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, droplet of wisdom. Yeah, let's sign out. Yes, cool. signing out. Thanks for listening, guys. 
Um, subscribe, leave a review, share this shit on social media. We're on Instagram now as well at Modern Guilt Pod. Um, you can still email us, get at us on Reddit or however you want to. Thanks once again and thank you, Damon. Thank you and thank y'all for listening. All right. Fuck yeah. Peace. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you.